Welcome to the Calvary St. George's Sermon Podcast, proclaiming the historic faith of Christ and Him crucified. These podcasts are recorded and produced by the Parish of Calvary St. George's in the city of New York. For more information, head to calvarystgeorges.org. So today is week three of four of our look through the Bread of Life passages, the passages in the Gospel of John chapter 6. And by this point, week three is when you are probably beginning to be bored of the Bread of Life passages. You're like, all right, let's move on to something else. Why do we spend four weeks in a row? And for me, the preacher, this is when I've exhausted what I had to say the first two weeks, and now I've got to break out the old seminary notes to find anything new that I could possibly say. But that's mostly a joke, because this text actually brings us somewhere a little different than what's gone before. But first, let's kind of rehash. Why are we talking about the bread of life? Well, you probably are familiar with the famous miracle of Jesus, the feeding of the 5,000, right? And the feeding of the 5,000, oftentimes we think of it as essentially taken completely out of its context. It's like, wow, this was just an incredible deed that Christ did to display his power to show that he is the Messiah. There's actually more of a theological purpose to this deed than a shock and awe kind of thing. For the Jews, the ones who are his listeners, all of his disciples, Jesus himself was a Jew, when they hear this story, they know their history. They know the story of God's dealing with the people of God. And so when they hear this story, when they see this deed, they immediately connect the dots, right? They connect the dots to the manna, the feeding of the manna in the wilderness. Now, maybe you're not familiar with that story. In the Old Testament, the chief act of salvation is the exodus, the freeing of the people of God from their oppression, from their bondage in Egypt. God makes a way out of no way and saves them from this. And in the wilderness, they are fed. They are provided from by God miraculously with the manna from heaven, the bread of heaven. And here, in the feeding of the 5,000, in the the story that we just read, the followers of Jesus connect the dots. This is just like the manna in the wilderness. This is the miraculous bread of heaven. Here is a man like Moses, a prophet like Moses. And in the first century, Jews of all different sects are all Messiahism is in the air. They believe it's coming. The Messiah is coming soon. And so a bunch of them get in their minds, this must be it. For he has done something like Moses. A new act of salvation is at hand. Only Jesus doesn't leave it at that. Jesus has to do what he always do. And he, he ups the ante. Jesus says... The food that I gave you was not actually the bread from heaven, remarkable as it may have been. No, I am the bread of heaven. And this coming from anyone else would be just the most arrogant, ridiculous thing. But this is coming from Christ, the true bread of heaven, the one who can say it and mean it and we believe it. But this is where I, I resonate with the, his followers here, right? It says... They complain. They grumble. They say, like, we know your mother. 
We know your father. Bread of heaven. You're not the bread of heaven. What does that, that even mean? You're the bread of heaven. We know about the bread of heaven. You claiming to be it, what does that have to do with anything? And the text makes clear that they grumble, which is supposed to set our ears off yet again. What do the people of God in the wilderness do? They have just been saved from the Egyptians. They've just been liberated from their oppression and their bondage. And what do they say? Would that we had go back to Egypt. At least we had a guarantee of three square meals there. They're willing to forfeit their freedom, forfeit their salvation to go back into bondage. And here we have these same people of God, people who are not so very different than you and me, grumbling. Again, the connection to that old story. And now this is where I'm very much not like Jesus. I, when somebody confronts me with something, I make a statement and somebody comes back at me and they come back at me with a good point, right? Well, we know your dad and your mom. How special can you be? Well, all right, maybe I'm not that special. Or like, you know, I'll, ro- I'll soften the rough edges of what I just said or I'll, I'll nuance it or take it back. But Jesus does none of that. In fact, Jesus doubles down. And he does this throughout Scripture, but we see this here. He says, I am the bread of life. And then later on, he goes so far as to say that he is the living bread. Your ancestors ate the manna in the wilderness and they died. This is the bread that comes down from heaven so that one may eat of it and not die. Whoever eats of this bread will live forever And the bread that I give for the life of the world is my flesh. And then I'm going to say that last part one more time. The bread that I give for the life of the world is my flesh. Now, what does Jesus mean when he's doubling down here? Is he talking about Holy Communion? Well, on some level he is. But this is only a secondary referent what he is mostly talking about is the cross, what he has come to do. I'm going to say it one more time. The bread that I will give for the life of the world is my flesh. And it is at the cross, the chief act of salvation of the New Testament, and the chief act of salvation for all times, That is what he's referring to, the laying down of his body, his flesh, for suffering but redeemed sinners like you and me. We can only imagine what the original hearers of this must have done with it. It's it's quite the claim. He's just fed them with this miraculous miracle, much like Moses, and now he's making the claim that Feast on him. Feast on his words to us. Look to his cross. That is the true bread. Which might make us think about another thing from the Old Testament. Remember that passage, man shall not live by bread alone, or humans shall not live by bread alone. Jesus is talking about a new manna, a manna that is better than the old manna, amazing as it was. But with the old manna that was eaten 
by the people of God. They ate of it, and eventually they, they died. But Jesus is making the remarkable claim that if you eat of his flesh, if you eat of the new manna, if you thirst on his words, if you look to his cross, you will neither hunger nor thirst. You will not die. Whoever eats of this will live forever. The bread that I will give for the life of the world is my flesh. And that's really all the unpacking of this passage that I want to do. I'm not exhausting this passage. I would, if you don't have a devotional plan for the rest of this week, read this text and meditate on it. It's incredible just how many meetings are there and just how much mystery is there. But I'm going to close with this. Our Lord, the bread of life, says, eat of this bread and live. So feast on the scriptures. Feast on the bread and the wine. Feast on his words of hope, the gospel. For you shall neither hunger nor thirst, neither shall you die. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Thank you for listening to our sermon podcast, produced and recorded at the parish of Calvary St. George's in the city of New York. If you feel led to support the continuing ministry of the parish, you can make an online donation at calvarystgeorges.org slash giving. Thank you.